0: Welcome to the One Football Premier League podcast. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't the problem for Man United this week. Everton edge closer to the drop. Some of the best football conspiracy theories the internet has ever seen, plus plenty more on today's podcast. Is joining myself, Matt Frolik, are Dan Burke, hello, hello, and Podrick Whelan. Hi, Matt. How are you boys doing? I, I take it we'll get onto it in a minute, Dan, but. Man City weren't there to ruffle your feathers this weekend, so was it nice viewing, just sitting back relaxing?
1: Yeah, having a lovely relaxed weekend, yeah. Chilled out at home, played a bit of FIFA. Just been, been kicking back, loving life. And
0: you, Podrick, was it a FIFA-fuelled weekend
1: for you?
2: I'm afraid not, no. Too too busy working, there was no no such FIFA joys here. Probably for the best, though, yeah. because the neighbours would have been complaining. it.
0: Are you a bit of an angry controller, smashing I, the TV I FIFA do get, player, down?
2: Yeah, I, I do get a little bit...
0: Up. <laughs> amazing right i i was gonna say i was close to smashing my tv but not over fifa just over watching Tottenham, <laughs> and that is where we will start um where else to start to be honest with cristiano ronaldo's 49th career hat trick uh when he pulls it out of the bag you can't help but marvel but when it's against your team you get frustrated and i don't <laughs> know how so many teams in that league are put up with this for, for the best part of a decade um Is he the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card, Dan, considering that United weren't and haven't been up to scratch lately?
1: Yes and no, really. I mean, I think obviously you see his quality in games like this. You see what he's capable of. And I thought it was it was interesting. Someone pointed out that his goals were sort of like a, a kind of tour of his career. Like he scored that brilliant first goal, which was a bit like that one he scored against Porto that won the Puskas Award back in the day. He uh, scored a, a poacher's goal for the second one and then a bullet header, you know, towering header for the third one. It was It was everything about Ronaldo distilled into three goals, wasn't it really? I mean, I do think he is... Part of the reason why United have struggled this season, I think they do have a problem that we've that we've talked about many times on the podcast. That they kind of have to have to pick him, but when they do pick him, it does harm their pressing game. You know, they, he's not he's not the most mobile player anymore, so. I think he's uh, he's sort of the problem and the solution for United at times, and and, and he, he is what's kind of held them back a little bit this season, and, and that is why I do think they should they should think about moving on without him next season if they want to kind of become a serious football club again and, and start competing for stuff. As good as he is, as, as amazing as he is, it's just it's just a weird kind of he's he's the ultimate kind of catch twenty two footballer, really. I thought that when I saw Cavani
0: coming on, I saw him warming up at the sideline, and I thought there is no chance to take Ronaldo off. Like, there's absolutely no way. They're going to have to do something. they take taking Matic off. And Cavani was left wing, I think, until Elanga came on. And then he went sort of number 10. And it's it's so evident. It's so evident in that, that you just, you've got to pick him. You can't take him off. I think, and uh, maybe maybe Portuguese fans will be able to attest to this better, this has been a problem that United are facing this season that Portugal have had for about six or seven years. A really big problem. Yeah, and then as problem. soon as he
2: went off in the Euros final, they went and won the game. Yeah. Without him, so... <laughs>
0: There, are they're, they're really. I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of of Portuguese fans sort of comment on it, and the fact they have such a talented generation, um, so many talented strikers as well. That just, especially when Andre Silva was absolutely banging him in, and still is is pretty good at the minute. So many guys who just could not get a look in because Ronaldo's there, but then he scores a hat trick, and you're like,
1: ah. Well, that's it. Everything's set up for him to score goals. Everything's funneled towards him, isn't it? And if he doesn't score goals, it's a bit like, well, what's the point in him being there, really? And more often than not, he does score goals, and that's why it's a a tricky problem. It's a a nice problem to have in a way, but I I do think it has been one of United's big problems this year. I mean, mean, put it this way, I know that Bruno Fernandes is
0: is very good. Like, there's no doubting that. I wonder if he could reach Bernardo Silva levels of consistency if he doesn't constantly have Ronaldo with him at club and international level. It it it's not it's not foolproof. I know that my theory has many holes to be picked. But I'm just saying there is a lot of attacking talent in that Portuguese squad. Uh but anyway, we will move on to Spurs and Podrick, how do you feel about Spurs' old Trafford performance? Was it a good performance, a sign of how far they've come or a sign of how far they have to go?
2: Yeah, it was I thought it was a bit of a weird I thought probably like on balance of the whole game, they probably played better in this like trip to Manchester than they did. A few weeks ago, when they went to City and actually won that game, and you know they kind of just took their chances, I suppose that that night, makes me were... feel
1: loads better. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Sorry,
2: mate. I was going to end up annoying somebody, I think, no matter uh, what I had said to you guys. But yeah, I just, like that night, they they were I suppose just a, a bit more clinical, whereas this one, you know, that when they did create the few chances, like I think the big one was the the Sun one in the second half where it got cut across and he just kind of rolled it the wrong side of the post where you it was a position where you'd maybe have banked on him uh, at least finding the target and probably scoring a goal from it where I didn't think might manage to, to pull it off but I thought like most of the game they, they'd actually they had played quite well and yeah just came up against Ronaldo doing what he does although you I mean and as good as the third goal is you probably I think Conte will be furious like with the defending for that he will probably feel they could have gotten away with a point that they might have deserved on balance but yeah yeah, I I feel that. like that
0: the the sloppy goals that were given away from Tottenham are they're inexcusable. If you want to fight for the top four, let's put it that way. Um, but that result put Man United fourth for about twenty five hours, or maybe less, twenty three hours um, or so before Arsenal retook that spot with a two 0 victory against Leicester. Dan, do you think the key to Arsenal's good form recently has been consistency in the team selection, as they've got nine wins from the past eleven?
1: Yeah, I think it has something to do with it, definitely. I think they look like a very settled team now, a team that is kind of growing uh, physically and metaphorically. Um, They are... Enjoying themselves a lot, it seems to be. It looks like it looks like a really fun team to play for at the moment, Arsenal. They're, they're really fighting for each other. And I can't remember who it was. One of the players said that they, they feel like there's something kind of special building there now and you, you do get the sense of that. I think it might have been Odegaard, who is in incredible form. He's had a brilliant season. I think he's in contention for player of the year this year, actually. And you know, you've got Saka, you've got Smith-Rowe, you've got Lacazette, who's performing really well at the moment for them as well, and and, and getting on the score sheet again, which is something that he doesn't do very often. And yeah, it just it's just the, the contrast between where they are now compared to where they were at times under Arteta, particularly the first few weeks of the season, when people were people were like half seriously saying they might go down this year. They it, they looked that bad, didn't they? It, it feels ridiculous now, and and they are they are my favourites for the top four. They're in they're in control of the the, the race, or in the driving seat, aren't they? So good luck to them. That pains me. That pains I'm me to sure. see them in the driving seat for the top four. <laughs> well,
2: uh, I think did... <laughs> the first four weeks or something, it was Arsenal going down and Everton might finish in the Champions League. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everton started quite well with Rafa. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah it's, they've obviously gone in completely different directions.
0: I, they, I remember Arsenal did have a very tough opening, opening of the season. I believe they're Chelsea and City. Chelsea, City yeah. and Liverpool it might have been.
2: Yeah, and then they lost at Brentford as well. Oh, yeah, they, they did. Yeah, the night, yeah, which, they were just always going to lose that game. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: That had Arsenal loss written all over it. Yeah. Um, as for Leicester, on the wrong end of this defeat, as a die-hard Celtic fan, Padre, does it <laughs> fill you with joy or despair watching your former manager Brendan Rodgers struggle at Leicester? What's gone wrong?
2: And you know, it feels me with annoyance. Even just uh, did you see the the clip of him when Ramsdale made the save in the first half? And he was like, that, "Wow!" That man knows where the cameras are, doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? he? He really knows, like. Oh uh, yeah, frustrating that. But <laughs> see, to be fair, I, mean, I think like he has been quite unlucky. Um, a lot of this season, like they've been hit quite bad. I think Leicester with like injuries and COVID stuff, and I think the right backs changed a lot. And like Vardy's obviously getting on a little bit, and even he's not been able to stay fully fit all the time. And I don't think he really knows, uh, I suppose, what to do with Madison either. I mean, he, like he's kind of really. I know he's got decent numbers for the season but he's been out of the team a lot the last maybe six weeks or so and then they had the game against Burnley a few weeks ago where he pretty much won it for them on his own um, late on but then he's kind of out of the team again after that, I think he just doesn't know how he can fit him in or definitely in his, his best position so even yeah, even when he's got guys like that who are clearly talented players and he, he still can't uh, find a way to get the best out of them then they're going to struggle but I know because it's, it's obviously it's easier to point at the the Rodgers what is it third season slump that I think he yeah. was kind of which I mean there could be something in it but I think just this one like Leicester in particular I think as begrudgingly as I do say it might, I think he has <laughs> been a, I think he has had a lot of issues to deal with this
0: I, I feel like it's going to be one of them seasons where They'll sort of peter out towards the end, maybe, what are they, in 12th, sort of finish, maybe mid-table. But they could have a Europa League run on their hands. The Europa up, Conference sorry, League. Sorry, Conference League, or yeah. how dare I. <laughs> how but dare, Brendan
2: Rogers said he didn't even know what it was when they
1: went into that, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. How dare so. I. Oh, straight
2: on the CV if he wins it as well.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they're 2-0 up against Ren for, from the first leg. I think they, they might have a little run in them, which sort of, I don't know, you've seen it before, that teams struggle to put both together. You can't, a European adventure well, and a, a league For this Arsenal
1: game, the, he dropped. Um, a, he rested Tielemans, didn't he? And yeah. um, I think indeedy as well, because he's obviously saving them for the for the Conference League. So I think he started to prioritise the, the possibility of getting to a European final over league results now, which that, is what a refreshing awesome, really.
2: change, eh? Huh? <laughs> Resting players for the big Premier League games so that they'll be <laughs> fit and ready for the Conference League.
1: Resting for the Conference—that is something I never thought I'd hear. Well, they're Best not going to the they're not gonna get they're not going to get in Europe through league position this year, are they? So, yeah. you win the Conference League, you go straight into the group stage of the Europa League next next year. Oh, might wow. as well. Yeah, might as well focus on that. Okay, well,
0: we might have jinxed it, so sorry there, Leicester fans. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on to Stamford Bridge, though, where Chelsea played uh, with the same kit, despite the fact that sponsors asked uh, that their logos be removed after sanctions against owner Roman Abramovich. Um, a part of me wanted them to wear bibs or (laughs) t-shirts or just you know what I mean yeah yeah, something a bit different I, I don't know what I thought would happen I'm not quite sure where they go from here to be honest um on the pitch let's talk elbows is Kai Havertz lucky to stay on the pitch for you
1: Dan I think he was, by the letter of the law, yeah. I think you can you can easily make an, a, uh, an argument for a red card there. I do, as I've said many times before, think that the the threshold should be a bit higher for a red card for me, for a player to be removed from the match early in the game. I mean, he's not meant to elbow someone there. He's jumped up, he's caught them with his elbow, it's... It's not great, but it's not violent to me. I don't. Uh, to me, it doesn't seem like the, the kind of thing that should be punishable by a red card. I don't know whether we need to have the conversation again about orange cards or sin bins or whatever. But sin bins, I think, yeah. I think, yeah, a bit too much of this is coloured by, like, you know, the main people that I saw complain about it were Newcastle fans on Twitter. And it's like, well, yeah, because you just want to have a man advantage, don't you? You don't really... It's not really, like, in the spirit of the game to, to take someone off the pitch there. You just want the advantage, really. I think a lot of that is is the problem with this kind of stuff. I was also thinking about the sin bin thing as well, like is, is an idea that often gets floated. What happens if if a goalkeeper gets put in the sin bin? Would you have well, to put an outfield player in yeah, goal for five minutes? Em- definitely do that. Emergency definitely. sub? That, well, there's no point doing it then. There's no point taking him off. You'd have to put an outfield player in goal, I guess, for, for like five minutes, wouldn't oh, you? Yeah, you would have to. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. there's no point.
2: That's
1: the kind
0: of chaos you want. Bro. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, uh, just turns into a farce. <laughs> that's not serious football at all. I, I thought the the one question I had was that they've given the foul. It's not like one of those that's been missed. Like they've seen that it's a foul from Havertz. What are you looking for before it becomes a red card? Like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have to see blood? Do you have yeah. to see a broken nose? Like, what what are you kind of looking for? Because I thought actually Havertz unnecessarily high arms and elbow I, I would have gone red mm. to be honest I think
2: he was was he not also a bit unlucky where he seemed, he kind of seemed to ricochet a little bit off Dan Burnt on the way down and then his elbow was kind of on the way down hit Burnt's arm which was also a bit high mm. and then back up into his face so I, I think one all happened the, so fast as well
0: one of the difficulties is like you can't you can't tailor your jump to the size of the defender yeah you can't be like, oh, ah, six foot nines. I've got to, you know, jump differently, <laughs> and then you come up against a small guy. That that is difficult. Um, I think the worst thing about it, obviously, and why we're talking about it, and why Newcastle fans are so furious, is because he then went and got the winner in the 89th minute. <laughs> um, some positive karma for Havertz there. A stunning goal, that first touch and finish. Yeah, a lovely touch. Uh... I really, I was, I was wowed by it. I think is the term, wowed. Um, the officials also said, talking of more controversy in this game, that there wasn't enough of a shirt pull to award a penalty against Trevor Chalabar. Surely that shirt rips before someone is ever pulled to the ground. Are they rewarding players who go down and punishing those who stay up, Podrick? Uh, it
2: was, a I was a weird one that one because I, I thought it was, it was a pretty clear penalty um, when you saw it, and like Dan was kind of saying about. Um, Newcastle fans complaining about the, the Havertz elbow. There seemed to be quite a lot of Chelsea fans defending that one, and then when they got out of jail in the last minute, it kind of seemed to turn the other way and it kind of owned up when the when it was over that yeah it probably got away. Oh, with one there because, I hate that. I mean, <laughs> I I just I think I mean I I do think it is quite rare that you see especially penalties maybe free kicks more so, but I can't remember the last time I've seen a penalty given in the Premier League where someone stayed up and was kind of getting dragged back a little mm. and kind of put the put the arms out to the ref to signal. It does seem like you you do have to. It's almost like an unwritten rule that you do have to hit the deck if you want to get something, which is obviously ridiculous. But even in this one, it, sh- it shouldn't have mattered. And I think he, he gave a corner in the end, which was strange because that would have indicated that he thought that Chalaba had actually got around and played the ball, which didn't happen. At all. I mean, it should have been a penalty or a goal kick, but yeah. So, I, I yeah. hate
0: when that happens. I always think, don't they just have this discussion real quick? Like someone should have said to the ref, well, it's either a goal kick or a pen. You can't just <laughs> <Yeah>. give decisions <laughs> out of nowhere. I, that, honestly, that, frust- that frustrates me a lot. Even even if I'm playing football, I think, God, he had no common sense used. And I think you're right about a player having to go down. And then when everyone turns around and says, our oh, players dive, players go down too easy, this, that and the other, it's like, well, unfortunately, you're having to sell yourself every week because otherwise the ref won't see it. It really, yeah, kind of, kind of winds me up a bit. It,
1: it reminded me a bit of the Bernardo Silva one at, uh, at the Emirates this season that was very controversial the, mm. the penalty yeah. that City got. And he, he did go down. I, th- I mean, I think he got a bit of a nudge from, from Xhaka as well. But um, that's a good example of one where you kind of have to go down. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything. If he just tried to run through and Xhaka had pulled him back, he would have got nothing for that, would he, really? So, But see, I think
0: the thing is, the Newcastle players thought, you know what, he's at my shirt. But I think I've got a good chance of keeping the ball. So you run through thinking you're going to keep the ball. And then when you realise you can't, you're like, I'll go down now. But then it's too late and it looks like a dive. <laughs>
1: oh, God. Maybe they is... should make the shirts out of like thinner material so that if you pull it, it just comes off and then everyone knows that you've had your, <laughs> like your one, shirt pulled by, One of it. them necklaces that's made out of little sweets that you used to get as a <laughs> yeah. kid. So when
0: you pull it, it just pings off. <laughs> they go everywhere. Perfect. Uh, right, we'll move on, though, uh, across London to West Ham against Aston Villa. Um, not the most interesting of football matches, certainly not in the first half, but a lovely moment, I thought, for Andrey Yamalenko uh, with the Ukrainians scoring a fantastic opener for the Hammers. A uh, very emotional outpour afterwards, after he scored. A very poignant moment, I thought, as the Villa fans also applauded him. It was a great goal. It reminded me of. Do you remember Denver Barr scoring two at Chelsea? You know, when you score that crazy goal from the sideline.
1: At Chelsea or for Chelsea?
0: At Chelsea for Newcastle. Sorry, Papi oh, Cissé, not Denver. It was Papi Cisse, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going Oh, wait, yeah. didn't
1: Barr score the first or was it Cissé? I think scored? he scored in that game, but but Papi Cissé scored the amazing one from but, the. But the Bar goal, the first one, is.
0: Right foot, left foot, quick volley. Remind me of Yamanenka's. Oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. See,
2: probably yeah. an amazing goal, Matt, but yet nobody will remember it because of, <laughs> of what Cissé did. Because of what did.
0: Same thing, I thought, actually, with um, with Ramsey's goal for Villa. It was a stunning <laughs> yeah. goal. It was such a great finish. Yeah. Uh, without disrespect to Villa, though, West Ham, do they need to start picking up points to get the teams below them more often, Dan? I mean, they've dropped points against Newcastle, Leicester and Leeds recently and the fact that they're running includes Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City, they can't really afford to not win the quote-unquote slightly easier ones.
1: Well, yeah, is the obvious answer, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think they, they definitely, they, any good team needs to be sort of beating the teams below them and, and then you take your chances in, in the games against the teams around you. I don't really see West Ham finishing much higher than sixth anymore. I think that's that's the best they could hope for now. And I think you'd have to say it, was, it would be a decent season. Maybe they can turn that Europa League uh, tyre with, with Sevilla around in the second leg and, and still have a crack at that. But yeah, I think I think they've done all right, West Ham. I don't think you can really expect a great deal from them considering they're coming up against teams with bigger budgets and better players than them every week Uh, well most weeks anyway Um, I think I think you'd have to say they're punching above the weight in sixth actually so I think Moisey deserves credit if they if they get sixth or seventh this year then then fair play I think I think it's it has to be looked at as a decent season right next up is to Brighton against Liverpool
0: Luis Diaz bravely put Liverpool ahead and got absolutely clattered by Robert Sanchez the Brighton goalkeeper The, the question that everyone seems to be asking Podrick is that does he get red carded if the ball doesn't go in
2: yeah, I mean, I guess you you don't know um, if they have kind of let him off just as a reprieve because Diaz did score. I mean, I just think it should still. It's just a clear red card, whether <laughs> whether the ball's gone in or whether Diaz has headed it miles wide or, or whatever because he's absolutely just clattered him and he got nowhere near the ball either. So, <laughs> yeah. Ma- it, I was shocked actually watching it. I, I mean, at first uh, on first viewing, I didn't actually think it would. But then when they did check it on VR and you're getting the benefit of those as well, you, you kind of see how bad it was.
0: My thought is, is if they... I don't know. I mean, maybe they can retrospectively give one. um, But if a card is given, that would stipulate that there was a foul. And if there's a foul, then there's a free kick or penalty, right?
1: Advanc- advantage, though, is wouldn't that come into play, like... But but with a red card still, you can still send someone off if it's an advantage. Yeah. I think can't you? Yeah. It, it doesn't happen on FIFA if that's what you get in by. <laughs> or oh, believe me, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> no no no, because if if there's a, a red card foul or a foul worthy of a red card, players stop more often than not. Right, I don't think I've ever seen like someone get absolutely nailed and then you go, we'll see what happens yeah. before red card them.
1: I think it is, but usually that just sort of denotes the seriousness of the foul, doesn't it? But mm. in this in this instance, the the advantage was like a split second, wasn't it? Really, yeah. and then it's in the net. Yeah, so
0: yeah, maybe he got a bit of, a little bit of lucky. See, if that was like Kai Havertz level karma, Sanchez would come round, save a couple penalties, Brighton go on to win it, and everyone. I mean, he had his chance. Curious. He did
2: get his chance to save a penalty later, but.
0: But Mo Salah scored it, his 20th of the season. Um, And there's some off pitch drama with Mo Salah because his future is a hot topic. Apparently, him or or his team or whoever controls his contract talks aren't willing to sign a new deal because they want better terms and a promise that Liverpool will buy some top players klopp says it's salah's decision and he seems pretty calm about it for for you know for one of his best forwards one of the best in the world to have a contract running out in less than 18 months um do they cash in this summer though dan if he hasn't agreed a new one how much do you think they could cash him for
1: <sighs> i mean if he's the best player in the world isn't he at the moment pretty much so if if you know you'd be you'd be asking at least 200 million for him wouldn't oh. you i think, but... Something like that. I, I, that's that's the thing. I don't know if there's anyone out there who could afford Salah at the, at the moment. You know, he's got twelve months after the season to run on his contract. I think it would be a case of kind of cutting your nose off to spite your face if you would say, right, we're selling you because you know you might as well just keep working on him and keep trying to trying to agree a new deal. And I feel like it's probably one of those where it's just a bit of brinkmanship from both parties, isn't it? Really, it's the agent and the player saying. Look, the clock's ticking. If you don't give us what we want, like we'll be, you know, I'll be my, my last year in my contract. But I'd see him signing eventually, even if it goes, you know, into next season. And he still hasn't signed. I'd still still imagine that he would stay. I don't think he's going to get it better anywhere else than at Liverpool at the moment. I think that the team is built around him, isn't it? He's done really well for them. The fans love him. So, yeah, it's just all well, There's no real drama there. I think Klopp is right to be calm about it personally.
0: And as for the actual rest of the game, I had to laugh because I feel like it was last week or two weeks ago, Dan, I said every time I look at a Brighton match report, there's always a little line at the end that says, Danny Wilbeck had a chance late on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's the only thing you ever hear about Brighton. Yeah. So I went on the BBC, check it out, and the last line read... Danny Welbeck went close to scoring late on. That's literally what it said. (laughs) Thanks, Danny. Yeah, that is the most Danny Welbeck-Brighton thing ever. Look out for this. I'm telling you, to all the listeners, look out for this every week. Danny (laughs) Welbeck will have a chance late on. That's it. That's the only thing of note you'll hear. Uh, To Brentford, though, and a 2-0 victory over Burnley. Two goals from, is it Ivan or even, Tony? I'm going to say Ivan. I think Ivan sounds a bit... Sounds more like it is, yeah. right, Ivan?
1: Ivan. It's mo- it's mostly Ivan, isn't it? It's, it's only Ivan Campo is the only Ivan that I can I can really remember in the you Premier p- League. Pull
0: yeah. that out the bag. Yeah. There must have been another Ivan.
1: <laughs> get, uh, get,
0: get us on Twitter if you can think of another, <laughs> another Premier League Evan. Uh, Ivan. Ivan Tody. he now has five in the last eight for the Bees. Can they hold on to him this summer, Podrig? Or could he play at a higher level, maybe?
2: Yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? like Tony, because like, he'd been the top scorer what was it, two seasons running, he went top scorer in League One, then he went to the Championship, and then I'm sure there was a few Brentford fans that had a cheeky fiver or tenner on him to do it three years in a row and do it in the Premier League, and then, yeah, he kind of, I suppose when Brentford were playing well at the start of the season, he didn't really hit the ground running as much as everybody else did, but like, pretty much, yeah, like you're saying, since maybe the start of February or so, he's been he's been really, really good. He's been like the main man for them. I mean, like without him, Stepping up, and I know Eriksson's come in now, and obviously he's obviously feeling the effect, uh, the positives from that as well. But I mean, I don't know if if they would. I think they'd be in big trouble if if they did sell him. But I guess the question just is, if a bigger club. I mean, you look at somebody like Arsenal in the summer; like they will need a striker. Would they look at Tony? Would he really fit what they want to do? I think West Ham need a striker. Like Dan was saying, like the squad there is obviously strong, but it's quite thin. I think somebody like that could maybe come in and and take a look at him, but I mean, yeah, if if you're Brentford, I think you'd be pretty much, you'd be banking the money and then all but saying, okay, that's us, we've given up, so I think unless it's a a really crazy amount, I I think they they would hang on to him unless he really wants to go, and obviously there's not been much discussion about that from his side.
0: I mean, there's quite a good track record with Watkins as well coming out of Brentford and doing pretty well at Villa and now Tony sort of proving at Premier League level. Yeah,
2: Ben Rama as well.
0: Yeah, Ben Rama as well.
1: Is Tony the best uh, best penalty taker in the Premier League, would you say?
0: Oh, yeah, we discussed this last week. I think it's very sort of... Oh, I guess it's an interesting one. I guess this question goes on until he um, until he misses one. <laughs> I'm not a fan of these kind of run-ups. I'll always say it cause it makes it stupid. Harry Kane, that's how you take a penalty. The other one against gets United, the yeah, keeper went the right weighting. side and he's hit it too hard. But, yeah, you know what?
1: If Tony's feeling that confident in that kind of form... Maybe I just have respect isn't. for him putting it at the same place every time, pretty much, it's yeah. Just going... I'm going to hit it so hard that you're not going to get near it. Yeah. i I
0: tell you what did made me chuckle, and this is probably showing the, the child in me, is that they had the goal and the assister um, come up for Brentford and it said, Tony Ericsson. And someone <laughs> was like, this sounds like a dodgy Walkman that you've bought online. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think a lovely cross from Ericsson, by the way. That was a lovely, brilliant, a lovely on it, <laughs> yeah. I think it was the same as the, uh, which you probably talk about in a bit, but the Watford-Southampton game had a similar one where it was the... Kucho assist from Kuchka and They were like the noise you make when you're like fumbling like a baby or something. Oh, Kuch, Kuch, yeah. Kuchka. <laughs> I was like, my God. I do actually have
0: a Kucho related factor later on, but we'll get to Watford in just a little bit. um Danley, how did Burnley move forward? I called you Danley there, I think. Danley. Danley how did Burnley like move a Burnley forward? So Burnley defender, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> big Danley at the back. <laughs> big Danley. Uh, How do Burnley move forward, even if they do avoid the drop for what feels like the fifth or sixth time in a row? Um, We saw Wigan all those years ago sort of never learn their lesson from continuously fighting and eventually go down. Hmm. What do they do?
1: I mean, I'm getting worried about Burnley, to be honest. I don't know the answer to that question because, I mean, even though Everton are looking pretty terrible and Leeds aren't looking great either... I feel like that bottom five is kind of sealed off almost now. And it's going to be three of those five that go down. And, and you would say Norwich are probably almost certainly one of them. And I would say Watford, despite winning this weekend, are probably going to go down as well. So like Burnley, they had all those game in ha- games in hand a few weeks ago. They've now played one game more than Everton. Uh, was, that's kind of evaporated. They had a decent goal difference at one point, and that's not looking very good. So... I don't. I don't really see where the result are coming from. I mean, it's it's one of those where they only need to win a couple of those. They've still got two games in hand over Leeds and mm. Watford, and Norwich. So they only need to win one of those, really. And suddenly it's looking a whole lot rosier. But yeah, they're just not looking good to me at all. I just I've just got a feeling that they're just not gonna not not gonna do do it this year. Um, you mentioned Everton
0: there. Well. That is one of the reasons that Burnley have a chance to stay up. Both Leeds and mm. Everton, actually. Shocking form apart from Leeds. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Everton first, 1-0 home loss to Wolves. It's bringing Lampard's ability as a manager under the microscope. Um, Dan, do you think he has what it takes to rally a relegation-threatened team? Because I think out of him, his coaching staff and the squad, none of them are experienced in this situation.
1: No. No, I don't think he does. I, I think he's a pretty poor manager, and I think it's really being exposed now. I think it was, you know, exposed to an extent at Chelsea and at Derby, but I think we're really seeing that you know Lampard hasn't got an awful lot about him at the moment. Unfortunately, you know, they, he came in and it, it looked quite promising at one point, bringing in uh, Deli Alley and, and Van der Beek as well. Um, I mean that that squad that they've got there should be nowhere near the relegation yes, place. Unreal, is Some it? good players in there. They've wasted a lot of money, and the, the, you know the the, the, cl- the club has been pretty rudderless in terms of managerial appointments and things like that. But you know to have a team with Richarlison in it <laughs> in the relegation zone and potentially going down just seems bizarre to me. But. I mean, I don't know if it is a case of them being too good to go down. Now it, it 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 seems like very grave for them. And I think they might just survive by the skin of the teeth by the fact that there are three worse teams than them. But but it's just so unacceptable. And I, I don't think I've seen I've seen much from Lampard's Everton to suggest that he is a good manager at all. Yeah.
0: It sounds like blatantly obvious to say that the the worst teams will go down, <laughs> but that is generally how teams stay up now. It's because yeah. there are just three teams worse. Like it's nothing yeah. of Everton's yeah. own doing.
1: Well, they even used to talk about the magic forty-point mark. Like Everton have got twenty-two points, and they've got <laughs> what is it, twelve games to go? They're not going to get forty points, are they? Probably. Like, and that is piss poor. Yeah. Really, it, whether they stay up or not, it's it's embarrassing. Jesus. Well, a win uh, for
0: Wolves sees them in the European hunt. But we'll move on to Leeds. And I mentioned their poor form, but it has been halted. A last-minute victory over the mighty Norwich. Uh, 2-1 the final score at Ellen Road, which gives Jesse Mars his first victory as Leeds manager. Uh, Podrick, Leeds fans will not care that they barely scraped past the table's bottom club because it's three points. But were there actually any signs of improvement?
2: Yeah, I think there was. And I think his, his first game as well. Um, I thought they'd played really well in that one. Quite unlucky. This one, they were they were all over Norwich, and I think Marsh would probably have been really annoyed and just wondering what the hell he'd got himself in for if they had played that well for, what, 90, 91 minutes, then ended up having to settle for a point because they just switch off with that ball in behind at the end and Norwich equalised, but then... Pff, I mean, Norwich, just, they do the same themselves. Although I, I did think... For, for Norwich, they were a bit hard done by. With the first goal, I think Dean Smith put it quite well after the game, where he said, "If, you, if you're watching it and you know football, you'd probably think it's offside, but then the law intervenes and actually says, 'No, no, no, mm-hmm. uh, it's got to play on.'" But I mean, like Bamford is offside and he's putting the putting the Norwich defenders off. They get a bit confused dealing with his run, and then the ball breaks to Rodrigo to score. But I mean, that's that's like nitpicking. I thought Leeds were um, were really good on the day. They definitely deserved the win and yeah it's it's, you know like you said it's probably down to that bottom five now it's going to be three of the bottom five and Leeds you know they've got a win there and again game they probably would have been hoping that they'd get a win but hopefully they could get a bit of momentum going like the the Jesse Marsh adventure continue
1: <laughs> the noise when they scored that got that yeah. winning yeah, goal yeah, was that's incredible crazy. wasn't it
2: yeah that was I was going to mention that actually not seen it was, scenes it was, like that
1: was, for a while yeah I've,
0: I've got a mate who's a diard Leeds fan and he will not stop going on about Gilhart Saying how good of a player he actually is. I'm not, I'm not basing that off a two yard tapping, but I've, I've heard very good things, and this could be the kickstarter for him. That's uh, good, yeah. You mentioned there's a few other teams you could get out of it. Watford are one of them. They're in the mix to escape after their victory at Southampton. Uh Cucho Hernandez, who we're talking about, grabbed both goals. And a fun fact is that Cucho apparently means old man in Colombian slang. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nickname he got because he looked like an old man when he was young, as his dad used to shave his head. <laughs> so is that his real name? <laughs> no, no, no. Cucho is just a right. nickname. Cucho. Oh. So I think old man Hernandez sounds like a Simpsons character. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just bizarre, but there you go. Um, how massive, though, is that win, Padre, considering that Watford now will go into the match against Everton on Sunday, level on points. Watford yeah. in the relegation zone on 18th and, and Watford 17th. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, what a game. like I mean, if you're a fan of either of those two, you'll be watching it like, really on the edge of the seat. But, I mean, it sets it up, sets it up really well. Um, Southampton, where I don't know what they were playing at. Was it the, was it the second goal? Or the the no, first. The, the, goal, the, the, the absolute first? nightmare, yeah. Where like, Fraser Forster's pass is a wee bit suspect to begin with and then the pass back to him just after he's played a messy one. So, I mean, I think Southampton were definitely helped out by Watford. But... Yeah, I mean, it was just good to see Watford win it, as I said, just to set up that game on Sunday because, my God, it's going to be huge now. <laughs> I,
0: I felt bad because I always rave about how good Sally Sue is on this podcast. Yeah. And then that dodgy back a, pass, yeah. I was like, no,
2: <laughs> yeah. my man, what are you doing? I think he had one before that as well where he kind of put a block in and it broke. Like It was harsh harsh enough, but mm. he, he really made a mess of like a block that almost set up another one. But, yeah, I think he's a cracking player as well. <laughs>
0: Is a good one. Uh, As for Southampton we mentioned there, one defeat in 13 for Southampton when they beat West Ham in the FA Cup fifth round and the draw against Manchester City looked a tough one for Guardiola's team. But since then, three defeats on the spin, completely uninspiring in all of them. Dan, do you feel a little bit more confident now about facing them (laughs) at the weekend?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think we probably should have beat them in that one at at St. Mary's this year. We were a bit unlucky, hit the post and stuff. Uh, The one earlier in the season was... uh, was a really good performance from Southampton when they drew at the Etihad. So, I mean, they're tenth in the table. They are exactly where they should be. I think mm. really, like that, there's there's such a such an inconsistent team. It's hard to get a grip on, on what they are and what they what they're capable of. At times, they look really well organized, really good. Like and Hootel's done wonders there, and other times they look pretty ordinary. I think the difference between a good Southampton performance and a bad Southampton performance is massive. Like they're just very. Yeah, just a just a wild team in terms of like fluctuations in form and stuff like that. So, who knows what what team will uh, will turn up against City at the weekend? Hopefully, it will be uh, one of their their worst performances, and we'll we'll stroll past them in the in the cup. But we'll see.
0: Um, I saw actually because there was nine games this weekend. There's one tonight. This is Monday afternoon. Crystal Palace faced Man City. Your w- new weekly Manchester City.
1: What do you call it? A letter? A blog? Newsletter. 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 Yeah. Substack. Um, yeah. What's it called again? It's called Totally Wired, but it's on Substack. It's on
0: Substack. There you go. Dan yeah. writes a, a, a weekly newsletter for Manchester City, and you're nervous about the visit <laughs> to Selhurst Park. Why is that? Is it purely based on the loss and the reverse fixture, or
1: is it something else? No, I'm, I'm nervous about pretty much every game that City played, to be honest with you. <laughs> that, that old, like, pessimism from the bad old days has, has <laughs> never left me and probably never will. Alex has always said to me, it's not 1997 anymore, mate. And I'm like, it is. It still feels like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean... To be fair, like that that game earlier in the season was, uh, uh, you know, Crystal Palace really had City's number that day. And I do, I do worry about that, but it's just, we're, we're, it's, it's proper squeaky bum time of the season now, really, isn't it? Every game is a final. It's an old cliche, but it does kind of feel like that. If City are going to keep the noses ahead against Liverpool, they've got to keep winning. And um, tonight, it's got to be, it's got to be, got to win the game, really. So uh, I'm pretty nervous about it. I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm fairly confident, but, you know, we'll see. What's your prediction? Uh, I'll go for a 2-1 win to City. Oh, that is the yeah. most winning a
0: tight away game result in the world. 2-1, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Uh, Palace
1: to score first, yeah, and City to come back and win. You're backing them to turn it around as well. That's yeah, even see yeah. you said you weren't <laughs> confident. <laughs> I did notice also,
0: I was doing a bit of research before, that Celtic are playing tonight as well, podring They
2: yeah.
0: are. They are playing against, is it Dundee? Dundee United uh,
2: in, the, in the cup, which... Oh. Weird, if Celtic win, which I was quite surprised at, it would be the first time ever in the history of the Scottish Cup that the semi-finalists would be Celtic, Rangers, Harps and Hibs, which you oh. would think like the two the two big cities, the two big clubs that might have happened more, considering yeah. the cup mm. competition for, like I don't know, 130 years. Yeah,
1: or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a question then. Would you want to play Rangers in the semi-final or the final, if you had a choice?
2: I'd want to beat Dundee United first, I think, would be the diplomatic answer. Good answer, good Good answer.
0: I see there's also a a Rangers game in a few weeks' time as well. But maybe we'll set up this little side section of the podcast on (laughs) Scottish or other UK (laughs) football. Uh, That is the last of the games from this weekend. Um, Well, with the game tonight for Manchester City at Palace. Moving on quickly to the hot topics. This is a very interesting one. This is one I've been thinking about recently because of basically Mo Salah and the, and the contract talks, and especially Kylian Mbappe as well. Now that the Real Madrid PSG ties down in the Champions League and PSG are out, now apparently is the time for Florentino Perez to sit down and talk to Kylian Mbappe. Do you think we're going to see more of this? And by this, I mean players sort of plotting their career along certain paths maybe signing a contract seeing it out and then leaving rather than trusting the club to accept a fee for them because maybe someone like Harry Kane is looking over at Salah and Abappe and seeing what they're doing or what they're potentially getting um Podrick do you think there's going to be more player power I think is the buzzword
2: um I'm not sure but I think with certain individuals I think that's definitely the case. like I think Erling Haaland and, like, his family, I think they know exactly where he's going to be. Like, There's a plan. years from now, yeah, ten years from now. Like, I think he probably... I think he's mentioned it before, but wants to kind of do that his hand thing where he's one, thing think, that wants to kind of show he can do it in all of the big leagues. I mean, maybe, you don't know if he'll end up at a PSG or whatever with the mm. way the way that they're going, but I think he's you one He needs to pass the can...
1: Wednesday and Stoke test first. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You
2: haven't done it until... Uh, yeah, so I no think way. yeah I think like the certain character I think Mbappe is the same probably knows like he wants at least Real Madrid well he's maybe at his peak you could maybe he fancies the crack at the Premier League or something at some point I mean I don't whether like I think you have to be a certain kind of superstar or don't you to to really get away with with um, that kind of thing I mean even Harry Kane I suppose like you're mentioning there he tried to kind of play his hand a little last summer and was. Mm-hmm wasn't so successful Mm. at it so yeah I mean I I suppose it depends uh, how much power like you and your your camp wield but I think some players yeah definitely it's definitely something that they've got planned out
0: I I think Haaland's the perfect example like he's probably Mino Mino Earl is his agent he's probably got a plan for so (laughs) many years thinking do you think Dan that it's they're sort of making the most of their player in terms of getting money because I think wherever he stays he's going to get money Or do you think it's literally, for some reason, now it's this Zlatan Ronaldo as much as possible proving yourself thing? Because effectively, if you're Haaland's age, you're going to go, right, Dortmund until I'm 21. Four years City, three years Real Madrid, couple years Juve, then back for a nostalgic one to Dortmund or something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What elite leads he might end oh, up yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think with riola he is um very keen to extract as much money from his clients as, as he can, isn't he? That's his business. And you know, like it or not, that that is the way of the, the way of the game, really. So I think he's definitely trying to move his move his players on as much as possible. I think ultimately the player will have the final say. And and Haaland is an interesting one because a lot of the chat at the moment is that City are in the, the driving seat for him because He wants to go to Real Madrid, really, but Real Madrid want Mbappe this summer and can't afford both of them or can't fit both of them into the team, whatever. Um, Apparently, he's really into Spanish football and Spanish culture and has a house there and stuff like that. Um, So, City have said to him, well, look, come to us, play for us for three or four years and we'll let you go to Real Madrid. We'll put a clause in your contract that you can go after a certain time or we'll put a release clause in there or whatever. And that seems like a sensible way for everyone to do it. I mean, as a City fan, I would love to have Haaland for three or four years. I'm not expecting to sign for City and, and retire as a City player. Like you know, players like him are going to move around a bit, aren't they? So I think that's fair enough, really. I think uh, everyone should embrace a bit of a bit of change sometimes. And let's let's have Haaland for three years, and I'll take it. Yeah,
0: it's crazy to think that you can <laughs> plan that sort of thing as a player without even questioning what are they going to want me. Now like what if he goes to City and has like scores like three goals a season? You're still going <laughs> to yeah. be like, right, time for my Real Madrid move now. <laughs> like, players work hard for years for that move, yeah. And you've plotted it in your calendar like you've got dinner next Tuesday. <laughs> oh God, moving mean, Real is, Madrid is it, next from summer from a club
1: from a club perspective as well. I always remember when City signed Raheem Sterling, loads of people were going, oh, he'll, he'll want to go to Real Madrid in a few years. He won't stay at City forever. And it's like, well, if Real Madrid want to buy him in a few years, that means he's done well for City, doesn't it? So I'm not going to like. I'm not going to worry, like, spend, you know, sleepless nights yeah. or whatever about players leaving. If players want to go, they want to go. Just, you know, don't get too attached to them. That will be my I, philosophy. I,
0: I think what it does tell, though, and maybe this is me being a bit pessimistic, but I think the transfer window is becoming a bit boring <laughs> because I think it's a bit too predictable with the, the fact that there's only a few clubs you can go to, right? And if you want to play in the biggest leagues, and this is no disrespect to the other leagues, that if you're in your prime um or or let's say coming into your prime let's take Mbappe and Haaland for example playing in two leagues where Mbappe's at the only club he's going to play for in liga um Haaland's going to risk you know making the, the switch to Bayern Munich that's the only team he's going to but realistically they're only going to city, liverpool, bayern, uh sorry, uh barca or real madrid and that's it that's the only kind of thing that's on, on their list. I would
1: maybe throw United into that mix as well. Like They can they can yeah. still attract the big players, can't they? They really signed Sancho last last season. I would have thrown Chelsea into the mix before the events of last week, and who mm. knows what's going to happen with them going forward now. But yeah, I definitely agree. The pool of clubs that can afford these players is getting smaller and smaller, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah, and to the point where you've just said there, who's paying for Salah? Mm. You know, who's going to buy him?
1: Which is why you might end up seeing a, a more free transfers going going. Which, which um, it's, it's ridiculous that people call them free transfers because it's never free. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some massive sign fee and some incredible yeah. wages being paid, but people still talk as if it's a bargain. Yeah, oh, we got to like this. Messi read yeah. to PSG. Yeah, on a free. Exactly, oh, yeah. what a bargain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. God, Lord knows how much Mbappe's going to be on at Real Madrid. <laughs> We're looking at 800K a week or something like that. Like, yeah. If that's free, then sign me up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly do think, though, that you're going to see a lot more free transfers, and it's just. He's just getting a bit boring. Bring back them good old days where you could sign someone for quite a nominal fee or get a decent Mm. player without knowing that two years down the line they're going to want to go to Real Madrid. Surely not every player can go to City or (laughs) Liverpool. And I don't even think Liverpool, despite the fact they spent big on Van Dijk and Alisson, are the kind of team, neither are City, to be honest, to throw down sort of 100, 150 million pound transfer fees.
1: No, I mean, City haven't done it yet. one player. Well, they well, they, they did it on... With Grealish, he's the most expensive yeah. player they've signed. And it, seem, it seems that they've kind of like tried to take a, I don't want to say principled stance, but they've tried to be careful not to be seen to be the club that will pay anything for your players. And now they've kind of gone, well, if we want to get certain players, we're going to have to pay over the odds for them, basically. And that's why, I mean, even Kane was too much for them last, last summer. Yeah. But I think I think City probably would have gone, for about, gone to about 150 million for Kane. But Spurs wanted more and that was it, really. But yeah. We'll see if they uh, see what they spend on Harlan. Well he's got a release clause, hasn't he, Harlan? So Yeah, about seventy yeah. million,
0: which seems absolute peanuts for someone like mm. him. And when you could consider in the, the fact that they'll probably get even more than that if they do eventually sell him to, to someone mm. like Real Madrid as well. Uh, right, we'll move on to our question of the week this week. And I know we've spoken about it briefly, Dan. This is something we've seen bounding around Twitter this week. <laughs> there were various there were various versions of this tweet, but it was basically asking the question what is the best football conspiracy theory? you've ever heard of and is there one that you actually partially believe in we'll start (laughs) with you podrig what do you think uh
2: you know the one that i i do kind of believe matt and it relates to to your team you know the the lasagna gate thing
0: yes i believe Uh, that
2: (laughs) yeah i mean for a whole squad to go well not a whole squad but i mean the night before a massive game and yeah, I'm not saying that Arsenal were involved anything
1: like that, but I mean, <laughs> a disgruntled did... Arsenal fan in the kitchen was it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it really the rumor, isn't
2: it? Yeah. That, yeah. That... But but
0: the, no, we're not saying whether it's right or wrong. But like you said, the night before a game, the final game of the season, which sees Tottenham, all they need to do is match Arsenal's result on the final day. And they get the Champions League spot ahead of Arsenal. Ahead of an Arsenal team that are just about to move into a brand new stadium and all the debt that comes with that and needing Champions League football.
2: Oh, you, you've certainly thought, uh, of, certainly it, thought uh, did, of this, uh, right? Uh,
0: an Arsenal team that needs to hold on to a few good players and not drop out of the, um, of the Champions League just a year or two after becoming invincible. Right? And then suddenly the, the Tottenham team go down with a bit of food poisoning from a dodgy lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying whether it's true or not. I'm just asking the question.
2: Uh, exactly, I, d- I did. find that one. Uh, you know, I think questions. I, I mean, I'm sure there was an investigation on, but questions could have been asked there for sure. <laughs>
1: questions. What about you, Dan? Well, I always like the one about um, Ronaldo being forced to play the '98 World Cup final by Nike. Oh, by that Nike. Was, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's a, a, like a moon landing kind of conspiracy theory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I saw that 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 um, thread or whatever on Twitter, and, and I saw a few few comments to it. That one of them was just like a kind of very general one, but it was said that the, that there's been match fixing in the Premier League mm. like every year. Like I'm not gonna, I have no evidence. I'm not gonna make any specific yeah. allegations. But <laughs> if something like that came to light, I would not be shocked in the slightest. Like I, I can, I can, imma- I could imagine that something like that has happened, and maybe it happens with alarming regularity, and maybe one day the. Uh, the uh, the curtain will be pulled and all mm. that, and we'll we'll see see football for what, for what it truly is. Um, mm. I mean, there was I did see some guy who'd done like a video on on Twitter saying that the the City QPR game in 2012 was fixed. Yeah, the yeah. Aguero, the Aguero thing. one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And to be fair, like the, the the bit that he pointed out, where straight from the kickoff at two two, QPR just kicked the ball back to City. That was is weird. Like, when you, when you I remember at the time being in the stadium, going like, what are they doing? Why have they yeah. done that? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, but then, if you were going to fix a match, surely there is an easier way of doing it than that. Like, I mean, yeah. than go through yeah. that whole rollercoaster of emotions that everybody went through. You could have just let City win one nil and just kept the ball in the second half or something. Like, or yeah, Joey Barton didn't need to get sent off, did he? Or they needed the viewing figures, yeah. But the the, the boss Barton being sent
0: off is almost ensuring it by giving City a man advantage, right? Yeah. Without it being too obvious, yeah. we might be working ourselves. But into will a people always hole. say
1: that that QPR? kind of like gave up when they realised, that when they heard they were safe, they heard from the crowd or whatever that they were safe and mm. they kind of gave up. Maybe there is something in that, but then if you watch the Aguero goal back, I think it's Taiwo tries to like break his ankle before he takes the shot. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, again, it, 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 I mean, that's an Oscar worthy performance if that was a matter that match fixing, because yeah, they, they definitely didn't look like they were, uh, they'd were they stopped and given up.
0: I feel like it would just be too difficult to try and plan that sort of ending. Like, Jeko yeah. still got a score. Aguero's got to hit the target. It just, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure why no, that one. know you do
2: all that, and Aguero might slip. Yeah, as he goes to take the shot. Yeah, exactly.
0: I will run through some of the other ones I saw because they were so funny. Some of them really had me laughing. There was, uh, yes, there was the Aguero one. There was, uh, Alvaro Morata is a money laundering scheme. <laughs> 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 He just gets sent around from club to club for absurd fees. Say no more. Um, Bayern Munich are contractually obliged to lose a random Bundesliga game every so often to make it interesting in the title race. (laughs) That one one had some legs because I've seen some dodgy results recently um, from Bayern Munich. Uh, The next one was Burnley and Villarreal don't have an away kit. And now that Uh, I think of it, I can't... (laughs) I can't picture a Burnley over a can picture, I can
1: picture Burnleys, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling with Real. Ah. Yeah,
0: just all all in yellow. There, uh, there was another yeah. one that, that, obviously, a disgruntled Burnley fan was brilliant who said the authorities hate Burnley and want them relegated because there are too many claret and blue teams in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was going to say, I mean, every Every football fan in the world thinks that there's an agenda against their (laughs) club, don't they? (laughs) Burnley, uh,
0: West Ham Villa are safe. Burnley, you're the unfortunate Claret and Blue this season. And The final one I saw, which is contentious because I don't think it's true. Dennis Burkamp's goal versus Newcastle, specifically the first touch was an accident.
1: Oh. I I'm inclined oh, to agree with that a little bit. Actually. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I don't think he. I don't know. I don't think he meant to do it like that. But he reacts he sort of, so quickly. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never been fully convinced that that was exactly what he meant to do. I don't know what he did mean to do, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. who who am I to to judge? Really, but yeah, th- there's always something about it that seemed a bit fishy to me. That goal,
0: yeah. But but. It- as he takes a touch with his left foot, his body turns the opposite way as if he already knows where he's gonna go. Mm. I think I think he meant it.
2: Mm. I, I just yeah. wonder.
0: was one hell of an accident. Yeah. <laughs> I've had accidents on the football pitch and none yeah. of them look like that. <laughs> <laughing.
2: Yeah>. Actually <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of Arsenal legends, one that just has come into my head. and I'm not saying that well what I think of it either way, but I mean France were runners up in the World Cup, what 2006 they'd like won it a decade or so before that so I think it would have been quite annoying if Ireland had knocked them out in the playoff that time and then <laughs> yeah. when Thierry Henry handles the ball not once but twice to send them to the World Cup you know that's, well, well <laughs>
0: could you imagine if they've won I mean I know they um I know they lost in the final to Italy in 2006 can you imagine if they went on to win it?
2: Yeah, and then but I suppose that would have been the days, wouldn't it? No, oh, no. no, yeah, they they still would have had to qualify, yeah, yeah, because oh so I think God. those two were in each other's. Oh no, that was for the Euros, sorry, because mm-hmm. Scotland were in that group, managed to get drawn against the two World Cup uh, uh, finalists, mm. yeah, but yeah, I guess if they had <laughs> won it, then they it would have spared all of that.
0: There, there was one more I, I was seeing. There was lots actually on this thread about. Um... Tampering with the balls during a, a draw. Oh, City uh, always get the brunt <laughs> of this. It's like oh, City will get Leon or Sporting in the uh, in the Champions League, or they always get a home tie in the FA Cup or something like that. And someone said, um, the home nations all love England. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) UEFA do. UEFA love England over the home nations. Wales get to the Euros for the first time in 2016. They draw England. Scotland make it to the Euros 2020. They draw England.
2: It's not fair. (laughs) That's true, actually, that one. I believe that. (laughs) And I I, I, uh, don't believe as well. I'm just saying that England have only got to two major international finals and they were both... Held in England, make of that one. <laughs> oh, sorry, the Euros wasn't in England, they had one game. You know, one game <laughs> out of England. And it happened to be against the worst team that was left in it. So, you
1: know. I, I do I do love the, uh, the warm ball conspiracy, yeah. but I know it, sort of, uh, it sort of goes missing when City get a fairly tough draw like they've got for the FA Cup <laughs> this weekend. You know, Chelsea and Liverpool have both got a championship team in the FA Cup. No one's talking about that, are they? But uh, yeah, yeah. I just
2: love somebody, someday, probably, you know, like Patrice Everard, somebody with like, a good sense of humour. To reach in, grab the ball, and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, oh, oh that's mind, hot, there. that one. That would be
0: priceless TV. That would overtake Rod Stewart yeah, in, in, in yeah. the greatest uh, cup drawers of all time. Anyway, that's, uh, that's enough conspiracy theories for this week. And that is all from the podcast. Of course, if you have your own conspiracy theory or you completely disagree with some of the ones we put forward, uh, you could tweet me uh, at Matt underscore Froelich or at OneFootball. You can also drop us an email with that and any suggestions or feedback you have about the podcast. The address is podcast at OneFootball.com. So that's all we have time for this week. Thank you to my guests as always. I hope you have all enjoyed listening and we'll be back again next week. So see you then.